Hey, welcome to Reflection as a Service. I'm Paul Merrill. I'm your host here with my co-host. I'm James. James Jeffers. And uh, this is a very special episode. This is actually going to be James' last episode. As a co-host. As a co-host. Oh, great. So you might come back on as a guest? Yeah. Oh, I can breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit sad for me, though. It's, it's the last sad. one. James is going to die tomorrow. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not why. I hope that's not why. Um, you know, we, it's funny. Back in December, James told me that he was thinking about taking a hiatus from the show. And I thought, you know, that's fine. I want to support James in whatever he does. And one of the things that he mentioned to me, and you can you can tell us more about your reasoning, was basically you're trying to find focus uh and make sure that you're focused on the right things. And I, I said, that's terrific. But uh, in my heart of hearts, I was thinking, maybe if I just don't acknowledge it and don't talk about it, and he goes on a hiatus for a couple months, maybe he'll come back. <laughs> well, no, I think you nailed it. Uh, it is about finding focus. Um, you know, Every year, I'm trying to figure out how to be better at uh, not having to work a, a regular job in a cubicle. And... You know, last year was about the tactics of how to price uh, the consultancy and development services. And this year, I said, well, I really need to figure out not necessarily how to build a better ladder, but is my ladder against the right wall? So I was looking at things like what's what's moving the needle as far as doing that. And uh, the podcast was just one of them. Well, I, I, it's fun. And I have had a good time putting it together. It's like, well is it is it really what I want to be focused on? And I'm like, well, if I'm not going to be super focused on it, that's not really doing Paul or anybody who's listening to the podcast any favors. Um, so I wanted to kind of defocus doing the podcast and while I work on some other stuff. Um, and that's basically it. So yeah, I mean, I do definitely hope that I come back on as a guest, uh, you know, every now and then. And uh, of course, I'll always be a fan and uh, help to promote the podcast. Always welcome to come back. I mean, this is this is as far as I'm concerned, the the idea and the making of it is half half yours. There's since I can say that very easily since there's no revenue. <laughs> it's just cost. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I also want to say, you know, I really appreciate your work on this, and I'll go over a couple numbers as we as we close out the episode a little bit later um, about what we've been able to accomplish together and what you've helped out with. But I do want to mention, James. You may not know it. It's, it's January right now when we're recording this. It's kind of mid-January, late January. This may not come out until February or uh, mid-February. But we have had our biggest month by far in the month of January. Are we calling this the Dave Rail Bump? It's either the Dave Rail Bump or the Brian Aachen Bump. It might be the both of them bump. The Because we had we had the Talbot Bump. Uh, and now we've got the this one. It'd be interesting to figure out exactly what was the biggest crush of, of oncoming users or yeah, listeners. Well, it, it started users. right after that Dave Rail interview. And I think my going on to Dev um, on Fire, uh, Dave having me on there was really kind. And I think we brought a lot of listeners in from that. But yeah, it's been huge. So we've, we've uh, more than doubled our listenership just in this last month. And I'm, I really appreciate it for all you new listeners. We uh, look forward to providing you with something of value. Once again, we're Reflection as a Service. We focus on two ideas. Number one, software development. And number two, entrepreneurship. And that second idea, entrepreneurship, we do from the perspective of a couple of guys who are in software and who were software developers in the past. Lately, in the last few years, I focus on test automation. And that's my love uh, coming from 
the software development world. Uh, but I, I also run my own business. James runs his own business. We're both always looking for ideas on how to create ideas that will create value for us and for our customers. And so that's where the entrepreneurship we part comes in. We both run our own businesses. So today, you know, we've focused a lot, James, in the last few episodes on on software development. We had Andy Hunt on, which was a terrific episode. Uh, we had the late Jared Richardson on. We haven't really talked about his passing, um, but I because I, I didn't want to. Uh, commercialize it in any way. Um, but Jared was a really great guy and a good friend, and he did pass away last month. And we, he will be sorely missed in the Agile community and especially in the Research Triangle, but we loved having him on. But I guess where I was coming from is we've done a lot of software development episodes, and I wanted to talk to you today about entrepreneurship type ideas. And you and I were talking before the show about some ideas, and what have we come up with for today? Well, I think the one the one thing that we have both been looking at uh, either for ourselves or yeah, mostly for ourselves, I guess, right? Is the difference between inbound and outbound marketing. And I come from a background where it's just technical. So all the sales and marketing uh, terminology is pretty foreign to me. Uh, and so the last couple of years has been about learning, okay, like why would I care about sales and marketing? As it turns out, when you run your own business, that's pretty much becomes your, your job, right? Absolutely. So I, I used to work in digital advertising and I no longer work in digital advertising. <laughs> One of the reasons is because uh, I, I, my experience with advertising on, on the internet has been so um, painful. I, I decided I really didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Um, and I think there's an article that you linked me to um yeah and i'll put this link up on the site but it, it's inbound versus outbound marketing is the right. idea and, and i'm totally with you so like my background as you know and as hopefully our listeners know is software engineer and and my work now focuses on test automation i love that world and i do that through my company beaufort fairmont but you know when i started this company and when i started the last company one of the thoughts that i had i wanted to jump in there real quick james yeah, yeah. sorry with you. Uh, one of the thoughts that i had originally was look if i get one percentage of all the people in china to <laughs> to buy my wares i will be so rich and how hard could that possibly be <laughs> and so that's where you start as a as a as a as an early business owner that's kind of where you start the progress of thinking about how do i get people to come buy my stuff because look, we can write software all day and put it out there all day. And if you don't know how to attract people to it and to give them something that they want to pay for, you're hosed. You, all of your work is for nothing. But it's technically perfect. Look at all the unit tests I've written for it. Hey, don't diss unit tests. I just I had a whole episode <laughs> with Brian Aachen about unit testing. And I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do that anymore, James. Don't. That's a sore subject for me right now. I, no, I'm kidding. I, I love unit testing, and I love TDD, and I love teaching it, working with people on it, and talking through it. But uh, I always, I always think of the, the 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 technical practices as being necessary, but not sufficient uh, for purposes of like selling something, right? Um, that is, you want it. You want you want your product to be solid and performant, but that's not going to actually help you connect to people who want to buy it. Now, it may no. help you lose the customer after they purchased it. But um, yeah, yeah. So I guess the, your thoughts about how do I reach that 1% of all the people in China? Well, you can rely on outbound marketing, which is simply you're making an effort to push your message onto the, the consumers of the world. 
And the thought is that if you push the message to enough people, some of it's going to stick. And somebody's going to say, oh, I, I think I, I think I need that. And then they'll find their way to your doorstep because they saw your message that you pushed out. And that's why they call it outbound marketing. Uh, and the article that uh, Paul will, will link to describes how you know, there was a kind of pushback against outbound marketing because it's intrusive, it's interruptive. Uh, it tends to, because you're trying to play the numbers, it seems like it attracts a lot of people who are using rhetorical tricks, uh, kind of kind of underhanded uh, ways of getting attention, uh, kind of tricking you on clicking stuff, just, just trying to get as, ma- as many numbers, as many eyeballs on those messages to play the odds. And... Now, I don't think everybody who is involved with making advertisements, either creating them or running digital networks, are, are scummy people. I know a lot of people used to work in this industry, and they're just like you and me. They just want to provide for their family and you know have a have a better life for their kids. Uh, so they're not evil. But I do think that if you look at a lot of the outbound market, especially on the internet, it is kind of interruptive, and it's like a lot of times just so badly placed. Like, I'm not sure why you're sending me this ad. Like, why am I viewing this advertisement in this particular context while I'm doing this thing? Um, And so the alternative to this was the concept of inbound marketing. Um, And that's where someone tries to detect what your intent is and then will place an appropriate message uh, to you. So, for example, um, they might notice that... uh, you're doing a web search for um, cars, like you're looking for new cars to buy. So an inbound marketing effort might be, let's find all the people who are looking for new cars and then advertise to them our car or, or a car dealership or something like that. So it's a, it's, it's a lot more focused and it seems like it's a lot less of a, a forced message on, on the viewer. So yeah. Yeah. So listen, if you're a software engineer and you're like, this is the most yucky conversation I've ever had, I totally get it. But I want to kind of bring this back to why it's important to you. So for instance, let's say that you're freelancing. A lot of us have done contract work or whatever, but let's say at some point you want to start going out and doing your own work. A lot of times folks that do web design will go out and start freelancing. People who do software development on their own during good economic times, like um, in some parts of the country and especially with technology we have right now, They'll go out and start freelancing. And so I had these several conversations just this week about freelancing and about uh, web development and all that. One of which was talking with someone who's not in the technical community, but would use a web designer. And he said, it seems like a lot of these folks are fly by night. Like they'll come out, they'll do some work on your website. They'll design it originally. They don't necessarily want to keep up with the maintenance. And when you try to call them again, they're just gone. And I said, that's absolutely right. And one of the reasons is your pipeline. So as a freelancer, whether you're a web designer or you're a software engineer or whatever it is, you've got to keep that pipeline of sales full at all times. And the problem that we tend to have as software engineers and as developers is we get really, really focused on the technical parts of this because that's where we have the most fun anyway. And building a pipeline of potential customers is something that comes um is very foreign to us and something that we don't necessarily spend a lot of time focusing on. So I see freelancers having the same issue. I had a conversation at one of the open source open mic meetups here in Raleigh this past week where I was talking to two different freelancers and they were both looking to get permanent jobs because they had been freelancing for a couple of years. And the problem is how do you get new clients enough? 
How do you get enough of them coming in all the time? Well, one answer to this is you fill that pipeline by having some type of marketing. That's what marketing does. It brings people, hopefully, it brings people to you in such a way that you can start having a relationship with them and then building on that and figuring out, hey, do you have a need that I could potentially satisfy? Do we both have things that we need to uh, to work with each other on here? And so that's kind of where we get back to the marketing conversation if you're a software engineer or those are two examples if you're a software engineer, if you're a freelancer or whatever. This may sound yucky, but it's necessary if you're going to do that work or if you're going to start a company on your own. Have you had experience where uh, you know, you've you've experimented with the outbound versus inbound efforts to like reach customers. Oh yeah, and I want to hear about yours too. I mean, we, <laughs> we you and I, we both talked about this uh, offline. But uh, for the listeners, for you all listening, um, our loyal fan base, our terrific reflection as a service errs. I don't. What what is the right name for these folks? <laughs> but for you, you reflection ears that listen to us. Yeah. So uh, yeah, reflect ears like reflection ears. Reflection ears. It's like they have really I big mirror ears on them. We'll have if to you say that. workshop that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So, so yeah. So my experience was kind of what I was saying earlier is with my first business, I thought all you got to do is get 1%. So I just got to find a way to get to them. What I found over time is that basically people only know a few hundred other people. And what percentage of those are in the industry you're trying to go after? And then which percentage of those are actually in have a need at some point in the next however many months or years for what you're doing, um, the numbers very, very quickly dwindle down to zero for most people. And so what I found with my first company was I got to find a way to reach out and I was only using that particular pool of individuals. And that was a very small pool, so I never got very far with that particular business. There were a lot of reasons that business didn't work. But this one with Beaufort Fairmont has been different. And the first thing that I tried was kind of an outbound strategy to some degree. It was kind of a mix, I guess, James. But I reached out to that same pool and tried to pull people over to a webinar or not a webinar, but an actual in-person live presentation. And you were at that one. Yep. And so I was trying to do that. That was a little bit outbound. I've also tried to do some advertising on the web for things like training sessions and whatever. And it's just incredibly difficult to identify the right people uh, that are out there to hit them at the right time in the right way. Like how much can you spend as a small business on LinkedIn advertising or Facebook advertising, right? And that money can be gobbled up in no time flat and you can get absolutely no signups or no whatever's you're trying to achieve from that very quickly. So yeah, I've tried the outbound and now I do a lot more inbound, but what's, what's been your experience with the outbound portion of this? Well, um, I think the outbound marketing is, it's probably the default that most people go to because inbound marketing requires you to have focus. You have to have a focused offering in order to do inbound marketing because you have to know which interests are going to naturally align with the thing that you're selling. So if you don't really have that, if you're just a generalist, if you're if you're just putting your shingle out and saying I do web development, uh, you know it's it's much easier to do outbound than it is to do inbound. Um, so of course you're just going to tell as many people as you know, um, Hey, I, I, you know, do you need web development? That's me. Uh, and that's, then you go from there. And like you said, you want to get into those conversations with people, develop the personal relationship and start the sales process. And as long as you're that unfocused, you know, your sales cycles are very, very long and very tedious. And there's a lot of effort with the inbound marketing, um, because my consultancy hasn't had that focus, I'm just now starting to dip my toes into 
doing that. And I just actually engaged with a couple of folks to redo my website with uh, an eye towards, okay, instead of just being a generalist, are there things that I've done for clients in the past uh, that I could focus on? And one of those things, for example, has been um, helping them to like grow revenue without having to hire a bunch of staff. So essentially a process automation. So if you go to my website, you'll see some of that in there. It's not as honed as I'd like it to be, but um, that's one of the things that has to be fixed this year. Um, so, Did you want to give out that address for people to look at it? or Sure. I mean, you just go to do www.codeprovidence.com and uh, you can kind of see the evolution of the site. Uh, because if you go there now, uh, it's not focused in the sense that if you're running a particular market vertical, you're going to look at it and say, yep, this is this person is directly talking to me as an owner of this particular kind of business, and it's going to address this particular problem. It's more of a horizontal focus of, oh, you have a business that you might need something like this. Um, and I think the horizontal focus or the horizontal, the horizontal uh, specialization is not as strong as when combined with a vertical one. So I'd like so to... Maybe- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but maybe you could explain. I guess I did mean to interrupt. <laughs> oh, like what do we do? Like horizontal versus vertical? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a market's vertical would would uh, would mean um, a particular like an industry, for instance. Yeah, like an industry. Uh, so, for example, a good market vertical would be dentists. A more specific market vertical might be pediatric dentists, hmm. uh, and so on. So you can you can adjust the granularity of what the vertical hits. Uh, a horizontal focus is, um, let's say, I specialize in patient intake. Now, that could apply to uh, doctors. It could apply to dentists. It could apply to uh, speech therapists. It could apply to anybody who has patients that they want to you know, process on the front end. You could also say, well, my specialty is in processing Stripe payments. That's a horizontal specialization. It's not specific to an industry. But if you are able to combine those two, I specialize in payment systems for pediatric dentists. Now, suddenly, your ability to capture the interest of somebody who happens to be a pediatric dentist is much, much higher than if you just said, well, I do Stripe payment automation. Right. So... and I think that's something that's lost on a lot of folks when they're starting out in business, when, they're, when they've got their first ideas and they're first trying to execute on something is this idea, especially coming from the technical side. I mean, for me, I, look, I, I, I think about abstractions constantly, right? So here are a bunch of specific instances of something. What is the abstraction that I can take from that? Because that's the way that I uh, like to code is focus on a specific problem and then figure out what the abstraction is. Other people are bottom up and they think about the abstraction first and then code for the particular instances. But I think that type of mindset would lead one to horizontals more quickly than verticals and less specialty over time. And I think that the tendency is, and I could be completely wrong about this, but the tendency is for technical folks to sit down and say, oh my goodness, could you imagine like a patient intake uh, portal that could apply to so many different businesses and whatever. And that maybe that could be terrific, but how do you make sure to get people into that? A niche, having that niche vertically and horizontally and specializing in it, the more specific you get sometimes, the more results you get. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so much easier to uh, write copy that's going to attract the attention, interest, and follow up from somebody who's exactly who you're targeting. 
Because if you look at two offers for, let's say, um, patient intake, and one of them speaks directly to your business versus one that doesn't, which one's going to be more compelling? Yeah. You know? Oh, th- this one is written specifically for me. I can totally see that this is me. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's a lot uh, grabbier. And yeah. um, well, so... Well, that leads back to that, that inbound marketing. So, I mean, inbound marketing is my understanding of it after reading a couple articles is something that we've been doing at Beaufort Fairmont for a while now, which is producing content uh, that your typical user, your typical um, client is going to want to absorb or want to uh, digest. So we have, for instance, a blog and blogs are not typically great at attracting people. But recently our blog has started getting more activity. And I think it's because um, these things tend to snowball over time. And you also have different parts of your business that are doing this inbound marketing, building off of each other. So we have the blog, which talks about specific issues with test automation, with software test automation. And then we have, which is both at fairmont.com slash blog. You can look at that. But um, we also have like a newsletter that we've put out, which talks about some of the content we've had out lately. We have a webinar that we do every single month and those webinars specialize in test automation. I'm not trying to do a commercial here. I'm just talking <laughs> about the marketing aspect of this, but think if you're a test automation engineer and you want to learn about those things and you see that there's a webinar and then by you know jumping into that you start learning about other uh, offerings that we have speaking locally at meetups and helping organize and sponsor meetups locally and things like that all of these are ways to get more content into your head and ways to be better because frankly we're living you and I in this technical world and software development this is a wetware driven world where it is our brain uh, it's knowledge base. It's our brain that's driving the productivity of these companies. And so we have to keep that up to date. So there's this really, really nice tie-in between uh, inbound marketing, which is producing content and having people come to that content, have them inbound. Uh, and then those folks deciding whether or not, hey, is there a need that I have for your offering or not? Yeah, um, I guess that's... The concept that we do work in a business that's primarily driven by our brain, um, it seems like that's not recognized as much as it should be. Like, oh, I agree. Like, like if you go into a, a situation where someone has a dysfunctional team, I've never known that it's, I've never seen that it's the technical practices that are the basic dysfunction. It's always the how people work together. Oh, I know. But, but how often is it when you go into those situations and someone says, you know, if we just installed Jira, this would be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Or, you know, this, this problem comes because we're still on subversion and we haven't moved over to Git yet. Or like, like, like that's going to be the silver bullet that, that right, solves everything. Right. right. I mean, and so, yeah, I agree with you completely. It's the wetware, it's the brains, it's how people function together and how they, how they feel when they're working there uh, that motivates the use of their brain to produce products that, that come out of our brains. And so, yeah, I, I think that's not um, focused on enough in our industry uh, either, but that's, industry specific. So if we go back to this inbound marketing, how would you see it applying in other industries outside of kind of tech and our knowledge-based world? Well, um, I guess it depends on the, you know, what the business is. 
So some businesses are specific by the very thing that they're selling. So for example, if I have, uh, let's say I have a car dealership. I mean, it's, it's selling a very specific product. Um, so that's very easy to develop inbound marketing because you can find people who have the intent of buying a car or, you know, or are interested in that and you can use inbound marketing to directly reach them. Um, I mean, there's ways to, to slice that up too. You could very easily get more specific and focus on, say, um, married couples with two children who are looking for a car, right? Because if I'm selling convertibles, you know, sports cars, uh, you know, perhaps that's not going to be the market that's going to be most readily, uh, most ready to buy my product. But um, there are other businesses, like if I'm a plumber, uh, you could do inbound marketing, um, but it's much better to if you focused to do inbound marketing. So let's say if you're a plumber, but you only do residential or you only do commercial or what happens if you specialize in, let's say, fast food restaurants, right? That's even more specific than commercial. But, um, but the messages that you have to produce to uh, reach fast food restaurants, like that's going to work really well for, for, for fast food restaurants in a way that's not going to work if you just said, well, I do plumbing. Right. 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 I mean, a restaurant owner is going to be like, that's great. How does it help me? Right. Uh, so. We talked a little bit about how you've experienced outbound marketing within your company. Uh, did we talk about how you've experienced inbound marketing with either your company or projects or, or whatever? Well, I, like I said, like I'm just tipping my toe into this because it requires a focus. And so the big struggle for me is figuring out, okay, what, what should that focus be? And I'll tell you that this is a question that's kind of been haunting me for the last year. And one of the, one of the steps that I took to try to figure this uh, little puzzle out is I actually had a conversation with a pretty well-known um, personality in the entrepreneurial circuit. Um, and his specialty is in uh, basically psychology for entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, maybe this person would be uh, good to ask this question. Like, how do I figure out if, if where I'm putting my ladder is the right wall? And he actually had a really good piece of advice to help me reframe my thoughts about figuring out if I'm in the right spot. And what he said was, because one of the things that I do well or I work best at is solving complex problems uh, and not necessarily in maintenance of systems. He said, you, you're, you're kind of intimidated by the fact that if you go down a particular line of product development, that you're, you're afraid you're going to get bored mm. by selling that product, maintaining that business. And that uh, the interesting problems that your customers have won't will suddenly no longer be interesting. And so his reframe was, don't think that the, that the stream of interesting problems you have to solve is only the ones that your customers have. Those are important. But he said that the series of complex problems is how to make your business work. Right. And so when he said that, it was like, oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So now I'm less apprehensive about, oh, do, have I picked the absolute best wall? And now it is more about Okay, how can I how can I make it so that this ladder can be built the fastest way possible, the best way, and and doing that. 
I like that a lot. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, and I think it, it has a lot to do with, uh, with where you're going right now. And, and I think that a lot of people would be stuck in that place. I've certainly been stuck there myself and I'll probably get stuck in that same type of idea in the future. But one of the things for me in, in assessing that was, and I think this is similar to what you're saying, but I think I look at it slightly different, but um, I think of the business almost as a mechanism that I'm building. Mm-hmm. And, and I always looked at software as a mechanism that I was building. Now the, the difficulty in building a business is that you're not running on Silicon <laughs> you're running on, on people. So human beings are the ones running the different parts of the business. So even if you write out a process, which would be the equivalent of a program or, or some type of executable in, in our coding world, even if you write out a process that's very clear, people may or may not follow it. And then in fact, like Silicon does not fight back against you, right? It doesn't <laughs> resist you. It doesn't resist your ideas. It doesn't have its own ideas. So it's very one-sided in that sense. Um, and what you, and the feedback from Silicon is always the same, right? It's, it's always exactly, uh, what you programmed in to give feedback to you, but with people within a business, it's not. So people have their own ideas. They have their own thoughts about things. And it's really important to listen to those things and to make sure that you're on the same page. Because once again, going back to wetware and all that, and, and I think we're probably getting off track here, but I'll try to pull us back on as soon as I can. Um, but the idea of, of persisting this, this process within the business, I'm trying to do it by learning how to like learning a new language. So I'm trying hello world with marketing. I tried that a while back. And I've gotten a little bit better with it since then. Like I've, I've programmed my favorite program with marketing is the, the metaphor there. And then sales would be the same kind of thing. Like I'm getting past the hello world of sales. Um, and those processes are beginning to be there. Now it's a matter of getting individuals to run those processes and then use their feedback because it's really a benefit to have human beings giving you that feedback as well. Right. Um, so build on what they have to say, build on their experiences to make this thing even better. But that's kind of how I frame that idea. I'm not sure how to bring that back to uh to inbound versus outbound marketing though well I mean, it's <laughs> i think it's because because we are dealing with people um the way that you contact them and the way that you get messages to them uh one is one is going to be a lot more effective than the other because they are people oh, i like that if, if it was just silicon that we were dealing with we would just say here is your value transaction levels yeah, if our- yeah, if our customer <laughs> right, right. If our customers were silicon, we would just program them to give us all their money. We wouldn't have to offer them anything in exchange, right? Like well, that would that would be what we would do. Or you could just send them a number that says, "Here is your expected return on value," <laughs> and you know, and then we you, the other price side would just have an algorithm that says, "Select highest value," right? And it would go right. from there. It would be easy. It would be easy. <laughs> but to make it work these days is different, right? So individuals yeah. who are making purchasing decisions want more control over what they're buying than at any point before. They want to customize what they're buying. They want to have some, they, that we say we do. We want, we say we want to have control over that purchasing decision. I think people want to have that feeling. And so, you know, when I'm doing things like, uh, my activity in the, the industry, the testing industry, that's a big part of what's going on there. Like I, I honestly want to produce the very best test automation I can. And in order to do that, I have to understand what customers want, why customers want it, and where they're coming from. 
And without getting that information back, I'm hosed. So self having people self-select into this world where we're working together to figure out what this offering is and what it looks like for your customer, that's, that's how that inbound marketing works. I'm looking for people who are interested in test automation, who want to join the, uh, the game and work with me on figuring out how to play it together uh, for mutual benefit. Yeah. We are dealing with, we are dealing with bundles of wetware there. That's what's making the decision to engage with you or not. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think we've uh, hit this nail on the head? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we were going <laughs> to say, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I think, I think we did as more importantly, uh, you know, there's probably plenty of people out there who are much more of an expert on inbound versus outbound marketing than we are. Absolutely. But I think, the advantage is that since we are new to this world, we're able to convey some of it to someone who knows a little bit less than we do, better than someone so. who is a who's a you know a, an expert. Yeah, I'm um, a freshman at this. I'm yeah. totally yeah totally rookie at this. And yeah. you know, if you are an inbound outbound marketing expert, and you're like, you guys are wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, say so. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah, hit us up uh, at Reflection as a Service on Twitter. You could also get to me, D. Paul Merrill, on Twitter. And James, who is leaving us, at J.D. Jeffers on Twitter. Um, But I know James loves to have these conversations regardless, so make sure to follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, Once again, you're listening to Reflection as a Service, and we produce podcast episodes twice a month. I try to put them out on the 1st and the 15th of the month. That's how you know what to look for. If you don't have our RSS feed, go to our website, reflectionasaservice.com and look for the RSS feed of just the episodes. If you can't find it, hit me up. We're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else that you would listen to podcasts. So make sure to like us on there and give us good reviews. Those help us a great deal in, uh, in growing this audience. We want to hear back from you. You can hit me up, Paul at BeauftFairmont.com on email. And, uh, and you know, I want to do a couple things before we leave here. Number one, um, we've recently joined the Agile Podcast Network, James. That's what I hear. And so I want to read this. These are Corey Bryan's words that he has asked me to make sure to read. Uh, and I'm going to give him a hard time about that. But it says, this show is part of the Agile Podcast Network. For more shows and information, visit agilepodcastnetwork.com. So thank you so much for that. We, we love being on the Agile Podcast Network. There's lots of other great podcasts on there. So make sure to visit that site, agilepodcastnetwork.com. James and I have been doing this together. We've done 33 episodes over 15 months. And I figured out that probably means around, I'm just going to guess in terms of travel time and work and pre-work and uh, getting guests together and whatever else, probably I'm going to guess like 60 hours of work uh, for you, James, put into this. Do you think that's about right? I think that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty fair. In in the course of just a a year and a quarter, that's a lot of work when uh, when you're doing this. And I really, really appreciate it. He's done pre-work on studying out for guests. He's always done that better than I have and put more work into it and has really great questions. I've enjoyed it. Um, he's, he's done the scheduling of guests and he's helped my thinking by having different perspectives and by questioning some of the things that I've said on this podcast. So James, I just really appreciate it. You're always welcome back on the show. I'd love to have you here. And uh, thank you so much for all your work on this and for all your thoughts over the last year and a quarter. 
Well, it's been it's been a pleasure doing it, Paul. And uh, you know, people don't understand how much work Paul puts into this as well. Probably twice as much as, as I do because after every recording, Paul's the one who has to edit it. <laughs> He's got to work with uh, the devil, also known as Audacity, uh, <laughs> to make it sound great and eliminate the ahs and the ums and the awkward pauses. And uh, every time I go completely in on a bender, he uh, cuts out the extraneous stuff. Uh, so he's done a ton of work, and I don't. This podcast would not be what it was without Paul's consistent hard work on it. So thank you, Paul. Well, thanks. This has been lots of fun. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm losing something, but I think we're probably uh, we'll we'll continue to be good friends, uh, and I look forward to continuing our friendship and and having these conversations even offline. So um, thanks so much. I'll, I'll I'll say one last thing to quote Dr. Seuss: Don't be sad because it's over. Be happy that it happened. I like it. That's excellent. So I guess on that note, we'll let you go. Once again, this is sponsored by my company, Beaufort Fairmont Automated Testing. Find us online, beaufortfairmont.com. Make sure to get in touch with us. I want to hear what you guys think of this. I'm going to try to keep, I'm probably going to have a slightly new format to this since James is gone. I've been doing guest hosts lately. Um, so that's kind of the way that I'm going to take this in the future. Either we'll have a guest host and talk over a particular idea or we'll have a guest host and interview a real guest. I, I'd like to try that and see how it goes. We've got lots of really fun people coming up. I've got a couple big names in the testing industry that I want to get on here that have said that they would do this. So we might take a take a dive into the testing world in the next couple episodes. But uh, I look forward to hearing back from you all. If you're interested in being a permanent host and this is something that, that you like to do and you feel like you would be good at it, give me a yell. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. And have a really good day.